Welcome to Mother's Day. As I was watching that video earlier this week, I was thinking about the fact that there are so many different roles and experiences when it comes to motherhood. Comedian Jerry Seinfeld made this observation about motherhood. He said, having a two-year-old is like having a blender, but you don't have a top for it. And Tony um, Kornheiser from ESPN Sports said this about the challenge of being the mom of a teenager. I think the dilemma of being a 13-year-old girl is best summed up by the book titled, I Hate You and Wish You Would Die, But First, Can You Drive Me to the Mall? <laughs> and then there's this insight about moms from David Letterman. Mother's Day is the day we honor the woman we blame for all of our personal problems. Now certainly the fact is that we've all had different kinds of experiences when it comes to our moms and motherhood. Some of us have great relationships with our moms and some of us don't. Some of us wish we could go back in time and undo some of the things that have happened with our mothers. Some of us no longer have our mothers. And on this Mother's Day, we wish we could just sit down, look into her eyes, and have one more conversation. And of course, there are ladies who have been unable to have a child or who want more children. There are all kinds of experiences with motherhood and with moms, but Mother's Day is an opportunity to honor our mothers and to express our love to them. And here's some sage advice about expressing love to your mom. No comment necessary. Today I want you to think with me about the incredible influence that moms have in the lives of their children. A lady named Wilma Rudolph, who was stricken with polio as a child, went on to run in the Olympics. And she said this, my doctors told me I would never walk again. My mother told me I would. I believe my mother. Now today I also want to point out that the message is not just for moms. In a few moments we're going to look at a family in the Bible where a mother and a grandmother had tremendous influence in the lives of a young man. And I want you to realize from the outset that the principles we'll talk about today really apply to all of us because God has given us the opportunity to influence the people that he brings into our lives. So let me do this. Let me introduce you to a young mom in the Bible. Her name is Eunice. She was raised in a Jewish home and was deeply influenced by her mother Lois. When she was young, Eunice heard stories from the Bible and she learned at a very early age to love God. As she grew up, she was attracted to a young man who had no interest in her religion at all. In fact, he was from another culture, and despite her mother's objections, Eunice married this young man anyway. Well, after a few years, Eunice and her husband had a little boy, and they named him Timothy. Sometime later, Eunice's dad died, and so they asked her mother Lois to come and live with them, and so little Timmy got to spend a lot of time with his mother and his grandmother. And even though Timmy didn't go to Awana on Wednesday nights, and even though he couldn't watch VeggieTale movies, he did learn a lot about God from his mother and his grandmother. Then one day, an itinerant preacher named Paul came to town. And Paul talked about this man, Jesus Christ, and how he was God's Messiah. And Lois and Eunice listened intently. And as they heard this message, the bad news and the good news about Jesus, they gave their lives to Christ. They decided to follow him. And that decision not only changed them, it changed what they taught Timothy. Because now, they not only taught Timothy the stories of the Old Testament, they taught Timothy about Jesus. And at some point, 
Timothy became a follower of Christ as well. Paul, the preacher, took a special interest in Timothy, actually inviting him to go with him as his travel companion. And after time, they forged a really deep friendship, so much so that Paul referred to Timothy as his true son in the faith. And then years later, at the end of his life, Paul is writing the last two letters, the letters of 1 and 2 Timothy that we find in the Bible. And in these letters, he reflects on the women who had such an incredible influence in Timothy's life. And that brings us to the question that I want us to consider this morning, and this is on your outline. How can a mother and grandmother have a strong spiritual influence in the lives of their children? And again, the principles we're going to look at don't just apply to mothers and grandmothers. They apply to every follower of Jesus. And if you've never made a decision to follow Jesus, let me say this, I am so glad you're here. And I hope this message will give you a better picture of what it means to be a Christian and how you can make a choice to pursue God's purpose for your life by following Jesus. So, how can mothers and grandmothers and all believers influence others? Here's the first principle. Teach what you are learning from God's word. Teach what you are learning from God's word. This is what Paul says about Timothy. You have been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood. Other translations use the word infancy. And they have, been, they have given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Christ Jesus. Now this is really interesting. At the end of this letter we call 2 Timothy, Paul is giving final instructions to Timothy. He's actually giving him a charge because Paul knows his time on earth is short. And he knows that he won't always be there to encourage and mentor Timothy. And he says this in verse 14. He says, but as for you, Timothy, continue in what you have learned and become convinced of because you know those from whom you learned it. Now, who's Paul talking about? Well, he's talking about Timothy's mom and his grandmother because they taught him about God. And they taught him about Jesus. And they shared these Incredible stories from the Old Testament. Timothy learned about David defeating Goliath and about Moses parting the Red Sea and Daniel in the lion's den and, and when Jonah ran away from God and was swallowed by a giant fish. Those were the stories that he grew up believing because his mom and grandmother believed them too. And not only that, his mother and his grandmother took this truth they were learning from God's book and put it into practice in their lives and that had a tremendous influence on young Timothy. So what does that mean for us? Well, first of all, it means this, that mothers and grandmothers have an incredible opportunity to shape the hearts and the lives of their children and grandchildren. And moms, listen, it is never too early to teach the Bible to your kids. Timothy was taught the scriptures from early childhood. And here's the flip side, it is never too late. God wants moms to instill a love for scripture in the hearts of their children. This week I was reading a story about these four Bible scholars and they were having this discussion about what the best translation of the Bible is. And the first guy said, well, you know, I love the King James because, man, it is so beautiful and so eloquent. And the second guy said, well, my favorite translation is the, uh, the New American Standard because it's so literal. The third guy said, I like the New Living Translation because it's easy to understand. And the fourth guy was silent and then he said this, well, my favorite translation is the Bible according to mom because my mother lived out the principles of this book. Moms, realize this. Even though you have a unique role in teaching your children, even though you can never be replaced, you don't have to teach the Bible to your children alone. And here is one of the great benefits of being part of a church family. We want to partner with you to help children understand the principles of this book. And that's what we do here every single Sunday. 
our Sunday morning children's program, our midweek Awana program, our youth ministry, those times are designed to help children and middle school students and high school students understand the principles of God's word. And let me say this to, to all of you who are believers this morning. God wants you to study his word and then help other people learn his word. And if I could just talk to husbands and wives, one of the things that is so helpful in a marriage relationship is when both of you are actually reading the Bible, learning from the Bible, and sharing what you learn with each other. And you can certainly do that with your friends and with your family. Um, you know, we, we talked last week about the power of God's Word and how God's Word can transform us. And one of the ways that that happens is as we take these principles and put them into practice, God changes our heart. And one of the things that reinforces what we're learning is when we share what we're learning with other people. Almost um, every week as I'm working on a message, I, I just discover something that I get really excited about. And, and what I have to do is stop and tell somebody. And often that's my wife, Chris. You know, I, I, if she's not with me, I'll sometimes call her up and say, hey, let me show you what I learned. Or, or during the week, I'll share that. And I want to encourage you to read this book. Get to know God. Get to know God's heart for you. And then share what you're learning with others. Now, in a few weeks, we're going to begin a new series of messages. And the title is Stories of Hope. And what we're going to do is we're going to go back to the Old Testament and look at certain stories. Now, the reason for this series of messages comes from a verse in the New Testament. It's Romans 15, verse 4. You might want to write that down. It is a great verse to commit to memory because it says this, everything written in the past was written to teach us so that through endurance and the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. Now, moms... When you think about this, when you think about the privilege you have of teaching those stories to your children, here's why that's so crucial. Because we live in a crazy world, don't we? It's a world that's constantly changing, a world where the future is so uncertain. But when you teach your children these stories from God's book, you're doing two things. You're giving them endurance. You're giving them encouragement. And as that happens, they learn how to live with hope. So I really encourage you to do that. So the first way to have spiritual influence is to teach what you're learning from God's word. And here is the second, demonstrate a sincere faith in Jesus. Demonstrate a sincere faith in Jesus. Notice what Paul says about Timothy. He says, I am reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. So what does it mean for a mother or a grandmother or for any believer to have a sincere faith? The word sincere has a very interesting origin. It actually is two words. It's sine sera from the Latin. It means without wax. So here's what that means. In the Roman world, when you were a potter and you had a pot that you wanted to sell, sometimes it would get a crack in it. So if you were unscrupulous, you would put wax in that crack to conceal the fact that it was broken so that people would be fooled. Now, if you were an honest potter, what you would do with your pots is you would put the two words sine sera on your pot to say without wax. In other words, this is not a broken pot. What you see is what you get. This is the real deal. This is a genuine, non-broken piece of pottery. And so that word sincere without wax came to mean something that's genuine or sincere. And so what does it mean to have sincere faith? Well, it's an authentic faith. It's a, it's a faith where you're not trying to fool somebody. 
by pretending that you don't have any cracks or any defects in your life. This week I was thinking about motherhood in our, in our culture and how so often we have these idealized images of women, women without cracks or defects. The woman who can perfectly balance the demands of a full-time job and a full-time family. The woman who is always there for her children, meets her husband's every need, whose home is perfectly spotless, a mom who is fit, fashionable, and fabulous. Many times we, we have this cultural ideal of motherhood that resembles Martha Stewart on steroids. But, but the Bible presents a very different picture, a more honest and sincere picture of motherhood. For example, here's some women in the Bible. Ruth was left childless and widowed at a young age. Rachel, Hannah, and Sarah had to struggle with infertility. Eve, the first mother in the Bible, had a son who murdered his brother. And then there's Mary, mother of Jesus. She endured the agony of seeing her son die a horrible death. Listen, in the Bible, we see moms who struggle with their faith. Moms whose kids walk away from God. Moms whose lives do not look like the cover of a Hallmark card. And friends, I love the honesty of this book. There are some seriously dysfunctional families in the Bible. And sometimes that makes us feel a little bit better about our own family. Because, I mean, these people, they need Dr. Laura, Dr. Phil, Dr. Spock, Dr. Seuss. They need all the help they can get. But here's the deal. Because these stories are real, they end up encouraging mothers rather than discouraging mothers. Because in our world, motherhood is so often less than ideal. Sometimes motherhood is disrupted by divorce. Sometimes motherhood is devastated by the death of a child or a miscarriage. Sometimes motherhood is redefined when you have a special needs child. Moms, let me say this to encourage you. There are no perfect families. There are no perfect marriages. There are no perfect children. And there are no perfect moms. But here's the truth. Despite your wounds and your weaknesses, despite your faults and your failures, God can use you to make a profound difference in the lives of your kids and your grandkids. You see, when you have a sincere faith, you still have doubts. You still battle discouragement. And you still need the grace of God to keep going day after day. And so moms, I want to <clears throat> encourage you to do this. Demonstrate sincere faith to your children. Talk to them about Jesus. Talk to them about how much you need Jesus. And of course, you need to do this in an age-appropriate way, but, but talk about your doubts and your worries and your fears with your kids. But at the same time, be sure you do this. Talk about the sovereignty of God. The fact that you believe God really is in charge, not just of your life, but in charge of their lives as well. There was a mom in the Bible who had that kind of faith in the sovereignty of God. She lived during a period in history, she lived in Egypt, um, lived during the reign of the pharaohs. And at this particular time, the pharaoh was very concerned about the growing Hebrew population. So he passed a law that said that all Hebrew boys had to be thrown into the Nile River. Now, if you were a mom and a dad, and you had a baby boy, you would have a lot to worry about. So what did this mom and her husband do with their little boy named Moses? Check out this verse. By faith. By sincere faith, Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born because they saw that he was no ordinary child and they were not afraid of the king's edict. Now here's a mother and a father who choose not to live in fear but to live in faith. Now here's, here's something so important for us. 
They did all that they could, and then they placed their son in God's hands. Some of you know the story. Moses' mother made this little ark for him, a little basket, and she waterproofed it, and she just pushed him out into the Nile River. Now, can you imagine the faith that it took to do that, just to let her son go? She really believed that his life was in God's hands. We can believe that too, because that's what sincere faith does. Sincere faith holds onto hope, because sincere faith believes that God is able to accomplish his purpose. And let me say this to you parents who have a son or a daughter who seems to be far from God right now. Often when our kids make wrong choices, we feel like it's our fault. If only I'd been a better mom. If only I'd been a better dad. The scripture is clear that every person is accountable to God for their individual choices. And so as parents, we need to remember that we can influence the choices of our children, but we cannot control the choices that they make. And maybe as you hear me say that right now, you're thinking, well, you know, I, I have a, a son, a daughter, and, and we just don't even talk. There's not even a chance for communication. So how in the world can I have any spiritual influence? And here's what I would say. Pray. And keep praying. And don't give up because God is sovereign. And God can and will accomplish his purpose in his way and in his time. I think about a story that points that out. It's the story of Abraham and Sarah in the Old Testament. And God promises that they're going to have a child. And of course, this is a remarkable promise because Sarah is really, really old, way past the age where women normally have children. And so she just thinks this is ludicrous. What does LOL stand for? Yeah, she could have coined that. Because check out this verse. It says, Then the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh? And I might say out loud. And say, Will I really have a child now that I'm old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return to you at the appointed time next year, and Sarah will have a son. Now, moms, as you face the challenges of motherhood, remember the words that, that God spoke. Anything too hard for the Lord? Really, is anything too hard for God? Because maybe today you're facing what appears to be an impossible situation. There is no way, humanly speaking, that things can work out. It has been too long. The deep is too hard. There's just no way. I want to remind you, we have a God who can make a way where there seems to be no way. Do you believe that? Let me ask you this. Do you know how long Abraham and Sarah waited until little baby Isaac was born? 25 years. 25 years. Now, some of us have been praying for what seems a really long time and wondering, is God ever going to come through? And here's something that's really fascinating. Um... Abraham and Sarah, in order to have baby Isaac, had to do what couples do in order to have children, if you catch my meaning. For how long? 25 years. Does that take some serious faith or what? Now, honestly, that is sincere faith because they knew God is able to accomplish what he has promised. So they said, you know, we're going to do our part. We're going to trust God to do his part. That's what sincere faith does. And moms and dads, listen carefully. When it comes to faith, the number one goal of parenting is to demonstrate through your words and actions the attractiveness and value of following Jesus Christ. Now here's why that's so important. Because our kids come into this world with a heart that pulls them away from God. That's true for every human being. 
That's how we're hardwired. That's the effect of the fall that took place at the beginning of the story. We have a heart that pulls us away from God. And the Bible is clear. Our sin, our failure to obey God, separates us from God. And because God is just, he has to punish all of our sins. That's the bad news. But here's the good news. God loves us more than our mothers. God knows everything about us. The good, the bad, the ugly. He loves us anyway. And that's why he sends Jesus to die on a cross. And Jesus, the Son of God, fully human, fully divine, lays down his life for us. And on the cross, an amazing thing takes place. God's willing to put our sin on Jesus and punish him in our place. And listen, the wrath of God against sin is poured out on Jesus. He dies the death that we deserve. And then, because God has accepted that payment for our sins, he raises his son back to life. And Jesus says, hey, hey, come follow me. I want to give you a new life where you can love other people the way that I've loved you. I was talking to somebody on our staff um, a couple of weeks ago, and they were sharing a story about a mom in our church who actually led her daughter to Christ by sharing the good news of the gospel. And I know that some of you have had that experience. What a terrific honor and opportunity you have as a mom to tell your kids how much Jesus loves them and to ask them to respond to his love. Well, that brings us to this final way to have spiritual influence in the lives of, of children and grandchildren. Encourage pursuing God's kingdom assignment. Encourage your kids to pursue God's kingdom assignment. Look at these verses. Again, this is from um, the book of Acts, but it's about Timothy. Paul first went to Derby and then to Lystra, where there was a young disciple named Timothy. His mother was a Jewish believer, but his father was a Greek. Timothy was well thought of by the believers in Lystra and Iconium. And notice this, so Paul wanted him to join them on their journey. Now imagine this, imagine that you're Timothy's mother or grandmother, and this preacher, Paul, comes through town, and he's on his way, God knows where, and he says, hey, I'd like Timothy to come along. What would your first response be? No way! Are you kidding me? I mean, that sounds dangerous. There's no way my son's getting on the boat. But you know what? When you look at the context of what happened, I don't think that was their response. I think his mother and his grandmother said, Timothy, you need to go wherever God is leading you. Timothy, you need to find and follow God's kingdom assignment for your life. And moms and dads, let me encourage you. Pray for your children to find and to follow God's kingdom assignment for their life. Because that's where the joy will be found. That's where the hope and the purpose is found for all of us in finding and following God's kingdom assignment for our lives. Let me close with, with this really compelling story about a mom. It was written by a man named Jim Stovall. There were two warring tribes in the Andes, one that lived in the lowlands and the other high in the mountains. The mountain people invaded the lowlanders one day and kidnapped a baby from one of the families and took the infant with them back up into the mountains. The lowlanders didn't know how to climb the mountain. They didn't know any of the trails that the mountain people used, and they didn't know where to find the mountain people or how to track them in the steep terrain. Even so, they sent out their best party of fighting men to climb the mountain and bring the baby home. The men tried first one method of climbing, then another. They tried one trail and then another. 
After several days of effort, however, they had only climbed a few hundred feet. Feeling hopeless and helpless, the lowlander men decided that the cause was lost and they prepared to return to their village below. As they were packing their gear for the descent, they saw the baby's mother walking toward them. They realized that she was coming down from the mountain that they hadn't been able to climb. And then they saw that she had the baby strapped to her back. How in the world could that be? One man greeted her and said, we couldn't climb this mountain. How did you do this when we, the strongest and most able men in the village, couldn't do it? She shrugged her shoulders and said, it wasn't your baby. That story reminds us that the fierce love that a mother has for her baby, a love that's willing to risk everything, is a reflection of the love that God has for us. And moms, let me encourage you this morning. As a follower of Jesus, you're not just a mother. You're a child of God. And God was relentless in pursuing you. And so on this Mother's Day, whatever challenges you may be facing, realize this. You don't face them alone. Because God is with you. And God loves you as his precious child. Let's pray. God, we're so thankful for that incredible truth that, that the love that we see between mothers and their children is a reflection of your incredible love for us. And Lord, I pray for the, the mothers and grandmothers who are here right now. Lord, for those who are worried, I pray for your peace. For those who are tired, I pray for your strength. For those who are hurting, I pray for your comfort. And God, for those who are lonely, I pray for your presence. And God, no matter what our experience has been with our mothers, we thank you for them because they brought us into this world. Father, in those families where there is pain and conflict, I pray for healing, for forgiveness, for grace. And Father, if there's somebody here today who has never accepted your grace, I pray that they would make the most important and most courageous decision of their life, the decision to follow Jesus. And listen, with our heads bowed right now, you can do that this morning if you've never decided to follow Jesus. You can say this to God in your own words. You don't have to say anything aloud, but you can just say, God, I need you. God, I have, I have failed to live the way you want me to. I, I'm a sinner and I need a savior. God, I believe that Jesus died for my sins and, and then came back to life and I want to follow him. Father, you always hear that prayer. You run to rescue us and we thank you for that today. God, thank you that because of Jesus, you have made us your sons and daughters. And Father, I pray this for every believer here today as we sing this last song. God, help us to live in faith rather than fear as we remind ourselves of this one incredible truth. I am a child of God.